Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me very quickly to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64. And we're going to look starting in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 64, starting in verse 1. For the next few moments of time, I'm going to deliver to you a message that God has birthed within my spirit, simply entitled, Open Heaven. Open Heaven. I've come by to let somebody know today, if you do not realize as of yet that this body of believers, I believe, is sitting right underneath an open heaven. See, only 25% of you got that. I'm going to say it one more time. Whether you realize it or not, I believe that set free church is sitting right underneath an open heaven. Oh, hallelujah. And I believe that it has yet to be seen what the Holy Spirit is going to do in and through this body of believers as we continue to remain faithful and obedient unto Him. Can somebody say amen? If you do not have an understanding of what this terminology, open heaven, literally means and what it insinuates, I pray before you leave this place today that you will have an understanding of what open heaven means and not only what it means, but also realize that this is exactly what God is calling you and I to walk in, to live underneath. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 1. When you found that, say amen. The prophet Isaiah said it like this. He said, oh, that you would rend the heavens. Somebody say rend the heavens. That you would come down. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Yahweh. He's talking to Jehovah. He's talking to God himself. He said, oh, that you would rend the heavens. When you study the Hebraic terminology of what that phrase literally means to rend the heavens, let me tell you, it's more than just a rolling back of the clouds, so to speak. It's more than just a a rolling back of the scroll of the clouds, but it literally means when you understand the Hebraic meaning behind that term and behind that phrase of rend the heavens, what the prophet was declaring Is that God, will you rip open the heavens? Will you tear open the heavens and will you come down? The scriptures go on and says that the mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil. For what reason? To make known your name to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. Do you realize the purpose of Christ, the purpose of the Holy Spirit? It is, a, it is an international purpose. Everything that God is doing, it is for the purpose of the nations that they may know his name, that they may surrender their everything To the name of Jesus Christ. That's why the scriptures declare that at that name every knee shall bow. 
And every tongue shall confess that what? That Jesus is Lord. What does that mean uh, uh, in, in, in this modern day and society that we're living in? It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your account or lack thereof. It doesn't matter how popular you are, how many followers you have on your Instagram, your Facebook, your TikTok, or what's that new one, threads. <laughs> None of those things matter. It doesn't matter what political office you hold. It doesn't matter how popular you are in Hollywood. My Bible still says that at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. You might deny him. You might say he doesn't exist. You might say that he's just a fairy tale. But I'm coming to tell you, there's coming a great reckoning day where you're going to stand before your maker, your creator, Elohim, and you're going to bow your knee to him and you're going to confess that he is king of kings and that he is Lord of lords. I said everything he does, he does for a purpose that the nations may come to know him. You see this text in Isaiah 64 verses 1 and 2, it's both a prayer and it's a prophecy of an open heaven. Did you hear what I said? I said it's both a prayer and a prophecy of an open heaven. You see right here, Israel was once again in trouble. How many of those Israel got herself in trouble quite often? Once again, she is in trouble. They were held captive by their enemies. So God had a plan. How many of those God always has a plan even in the midst of your rebellion, in the midst of your stubbornness, in the midst of your backsliding? How many of those God hasn't counted you out yet? And he's got a plan. And so in the midst of their captivity, in the midst of their distress and their trouble, God raises up a prophet that made a plea of intercession on behalf of God's people. It was, in fact, a prayer that God would rip open the heavens and that God would come down and that God would show his power. You see, this prayer was also prophetic in the fact that it was foretelling of the coming of the promised one, of the coming of the anointed one, of the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And how many knows that this prophecy was fulfilled nearly 700 years later when just as the prophet Isaiah prayed, the heavens were ripped open, and Jesus was born in the place of Bethlehem. Did you hear what I said? How many knows that when God gives a word, when God raises up a prophet, and, and the prophet opens their mouth, and they speak the word of the Lord, oftentimes we expect that word to come to pass instantaneously, or maybe it'll take a day, or two days, or, or a week, or two weeks. Let me tell you, from the moment that the prophet, Isaiah uttered these words in Isaiah chapter 64 Oh that thou wouldest tear open the heavens and that thou wouldest come down and show your power it was 700 years later when this prophetic word and this prayer of intercession come to a fruition and Jesus showed up 
in a stable in the town of Bethlehem as a babe in a manger. The next time we see an open heaven is approximately 30 years later when Jesus was baptized in water. Do you remember that account? Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look and dissect the very account, the very story of the baptism of Jesus Christ himself. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Can you imagine this as it is folding out before our very eyes today that Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one, he comes to his cousin, John the Baptist, the one who was known to baptize new believers in water. He was anointed, he was born, he was raised up for such a time as that to be the forerunner of Christ Jesus. And here is the promised one, the Messiah, showing up on the scene by the riverbank and he's requesting of his cousin to baptize me. Now can you imagine the insecurities that John had to feel? That's what we see being portrayed right here before our eyes today. I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, this is how it is to play out. This is how it was foretold by the prophets of old. We must obey the dictates and the commandments of God. So John baptized me. Then he allowed him. And when Jesus had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water. And look at this. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. Somebody say the heavens were opened. And Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, in the original language, this word, this phrase, the heavens were opened. This word open literally means just as it did in the account in Isaiah chapter 64, it means to split open. It means to tear open. In other words, it definitely, again, it wasn't a simple parting of the clouds, but it was a violent act that happened on that day 2,000 years ago when Jesus obeyed his father and John, his cousin, baptized him in the river. The Bible says immediately when he got out of the water, the heavens were opened. It was more than the clouds being scrolled back. 
But it was as if the very heavens were being ripped open, being torn open by the hands of God himself. It was a violent act. As a result, Jesus lived and ministered under this open heaven. Notice, nowhere in this account, nowhere in the following verses or chapters, do you see any indication that the heavens were closed back up, right? When Jesus stepped out in obedience and had John the Baptist to baptize him in the river, how many knows this was the literal beginning of the ministry of Christ? This is the literal beginning of the ministry of Christ. And the Bible says because of his obedience, the heavens were open. And nowhere in the scriptures thereafter will you find that the heavens shut up again. That the heavens closed up again. Jesus lived and ministered under this open heaven. I'm talking about an open heaven today. Nothing was impossible for Jesus after this account. Everywhere Jesus went, demons fled. Diseases were healed. Even death could not stand in the way of Christ Jesus. Why? Because he lived under an open heaven. You see, heaven's supernatural resources were made available to Jesus as he prayed and obeyed everything that the Father had asked him to do. Everything that heaven had was his. He lived and he ministered under this open heaven. You see, the nature of this word used to describe Jesus' water baptism is further demonstrated when it appears in Matthew chapter 27 at the very death of Christ himself. Look with me in Matthew chapter 27. I'm trying to lay a foundation today. Matthew chapter 27. And verses 50 and 51, this is where we see Christ hanging on the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood for the redemption, the reconciliation of humanity. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, it says this, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit, the King James says he gave up the ghost. He said, it is finished. Remember that? Then watch what happened. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn. It was ripped. It was torn in two from what? From top to bottom. And the earth quaked. And the rocks were split. Why am I sharing these scriptures with you today? Because we can see it traced from the prophecy in Isaiah 64. When Israel was in trouble and the prophet cried out. He didn't even realize he was prophesying. It was more than just a prayer of intercession. And he said, oh God, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down. In other words, that let there be an open heaven. 
tear open the heavens. That prophecy was fulfilled 700 years later at the birth of Christ Jesus in Bethlehem. And then at the, his obedience of being water baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says that the heavens were opened up. It's the same Greek meaning that the heavens were ripped apart. They were torn apart. The heavens never shut up again. And we find that same terminology in Matthew chapter 27. As we see Jesus hanging on the cross of Calvary. He gives up the ghost. He says it is finished. And the Bible says that the veil that was in the temple, that veil that stood in between humanity and God, you see, it was only the high priest that could access beyond the veil, that could step beyond the veil. But when Jesus offered up himself as the ultimate sacrifice and he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, my Bible and your Bible says in Matthew 27, it says, Behold, the veil of the temple was ripped apart. It was torn apart in two from top to to bottom this was a spiritually intense moment as the son of God had just been crucified and everything in time and eternity was affected the veil in the temple was torn again from top to bottom from God's side to our side he is the one who destroyed what separates us from him, And this was accomplished through the blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And he demonstrated it in the tearing, the ripping, the shredding of the veil. So what does that mean for you and I in 2023? What does that mean for you and I as the church in this modern culture and society that we're living in? What this means for you and I is that the heavens have been opened up permanently. You didn't hear what I said. I said the heavens have been opened up permanently. Everything that was available to Jesus to accomplish the Father's will is also available to you and to I today. I wish somebody would get this revelation today. I'm talking about an open heaven. Do you realize that when Jesus stepped out in obedience and asked John to baptize him, and the Bible says immediately the heavens were opened up, I've already told you, study it out for yourself. Nowhere in the scriptures will you find that the heavens shut back up. What does that mean? We're not contending for an open heaven. We're not fighting for an open heaven. The heavens have already been opened up 2,000 years ago. All we are doing is receiving this revelation and we're walking in the reality that I'm living under an open heaven. Sister Barbara, I'm not fighting for this thing. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm not fighting for breakthrough. I'm not fighting for healing. I'm not fighting for miracle signs and wonders. I'm not fighting for the third person of the Godhead who is the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you everything that Jesus had, everything he walked in, all of his power, his might, his authority, it belongs to you and I. The heavens have been opened up permanently. 
I said they've been opened up permanently. They never have been shut in over 2,000 years ago. Everything that belonged to Jesus, it now belongs to you and I. We're not fighting for this thing. The heavens have already been opened up. We must live in the reality of what Christ has already did for us. See, some of you, you so caught up in end-time prophecy, and that's all right. I know we're living in the last days. I still believe in the rapture of the church. I still believe he could come at any moment. He's coming as a thief in the night. You better have your bags packed up. You better have your house in order. I still believe in that, Brother Donnie. But some of y'all are so caught up in prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled that you've neglected the prophecies that have already been fulfilled that shows us who we are in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you what, Isaiah 64 has been fulfilled and we as the New Testament church, we're walking in it. We're living in it. We're breathing in it. The heavens have been opened up over us. We're not fighting for it. We're not contending for it. We're just walking in that revelation, truth, and reality. You see, the open heaven is our inheritance. Jesus bled and died so that we could live and walk under an open heaven. You say, well, what is an open heaven? What is an open heaven? Let me tell you what an open heaven is. It is a state where there are no barriers between the earthly realm and the heavenly realm. Do you hear what I said? I said it's a state to where there are no barriers between the earthly realm. How many knows we're in the earthly realm? And between the heavenly realm. But there are no barriers between <clears throat> you and the throne of God. That's what an open heaven is. There are no barriers between you and the throne of God. There are no barriers between you and all of the resources of heaven. That's what an open heaven is. As sons and daughters of our heavenly father, we can live in the constant awareness that nothing separates us from our father and from his resources. Did you hear what I said? I said that is an open heaven, that we live in the awareness and the reality that absolutely nothing can separate us from our Father. Nothing can separate us from the resources of heaven. You see, the enemy doesn't want you to live in that reality. The enemy doesn't want you to live in that revelation truth. He wants you to think that, you know what, this life is terrible this life is difficult. This life is hard. Nobody has it any worse than you have it. And, and, and the only thing that you're supposed to do is just fake it till you make it. You're supposed to just barely make it through in life. But let me tell you, that's a lie from the devil. And see, that's the problem with half of us today in this place. We're faking it till we make it. We're barely making it through. We're just sitting here saying, well, if I could just make it through the pearly gates, I'll be all right. Let me tell you, that's not the plan of the Father for your life. Jesus gave his all that you can live life and to live it more abundantly. And if you're living anything less than abundant living, then you're living beneath the standards that the Father has provided for you. I 
I said the open heaven is our inheritance. In other words, what is an open heaven? It means that we have complete access to God and every resource that he has promised us. That's what an open heaven is. We have access to the Father. We have access to the throne room. We have access to all of heaven's resources. So I ask this question. What is available to us through an open heaven? Now receive the revelation today that the heavens are opened. You're not fighting for this thing. Jesus bled and died that the heavens would be opened. You are living under an open heaven. Go ahead and receive that revelation. Receive that truth. Walk in that truth. I'm not fighting for this thing. This is my reality. I'm living under an open heaven. But what is available for you and I through an open heaven? I'm going to give you six things and I'm going to get out of the way. Number one, the first thing that is available for us through an open heaven is this. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Call me old school if you want. I take that as a compliment. But let me tell you what this generation needs. They don't need another pizza party. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you what this generation needs? Not only this young generation, but the middle-aged generation the silver-headed saints of God generation, you want to know what we need? We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I said we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It worked for Grandma. It worked for Grandpa. And can I tell you what? It'll work for you and I. It's not outdated. It's not expired. But it is the will and the plan and the purpose of the Father for the church in this day and this hour that we are in, living in. Can I go ahead and help some of the new folk who have come in? Here recently, and maybe you're still wondering, what, what kind of church is this? <laughs> Let me tell you, we crazy. We crazy. You wonder, well, is, is this a, you know, is this a denominational church? No, we're non-denominational. We don't have no headquarters we answering to. Come on, the only one we answering to is the kingdom of heaven itself. You say, well, is this a Baptist church? No, we're far from it, honey. We're not knocking the Baptist people. We all the family of God. But what we are, we're a church that have been washed in the red blood of Jesus Christ. We are a church who know who we are in the kingdom of God. We are a church that believes in taking this gospel to every nation, every tribe, every tongue. We are a church, if you look around you today, you'll see red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in the sight of God and we are a church that is unashamedly Pentecostal spirit filled tongue talking devil casting out laying on hands healing church hey and you know what we're not going to apologize to you 
Because if you don't like this flavor, honey, there's churches on every street corner. It's like Baskin Robbins. Go find your flavor. But I'm telling you what I believe. God's raising up a people all across the land who's tired of dead, dry, vain religion and who wants to see a move of God, who wants to see the heavens open up. I said, what does an open heaven provide for you and I? It provides an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Look at what happened. Sit down. Matthew chapter 3. Look at what happened right here. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, it says he got up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened up to him. And what happened? And Jesus saw the Spirit of God. He saw the Holy Ghost descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Can I tell you, when the heavens opened up, the Holy Ghost descended. Did you hear what I said? I said when the heavens opened up, something come out of that open heaven. And it what come out of that open heaven? It was more than a something, but it was a someone. And that someone was the third person of the Godhead, who is the Holy Ghost, who is our power, who is our anointing, who is the one who walks beside us and lives within us. He said he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. I like how the Gospel of John recites this same account. And it gives an interesting detail that Matthew did not give. When he was baptized and he got up from the water, the Bible says again that the heavens were open and he saw a dove from heaven as of the Holy Spirit come. And the interesting detail is this. It says it not only came upon Jesus... But it remained upon Jesus. Did you hear what he said? It said that the Holy Spirit, the dove, came upon Jesus and it remained upon Jesus. See, some of you, you don't have no trust in humanity because people have hurt you. Some of you, you're here today because you've been hurt by your former church. You've been hurt by your former pastor. You've been hurt by, by a, a, some deacon or some Sunday school teacher or, 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 or some worship leader. You've been hurt by this one and you've been hurt by that one. And everybody that you thought cared about you, everybody you thought loved you, everybody you thought would stay with you to the very end, they have abandoned you, they have forsaken you, they have walked out on you. But I come to let somebody know today that the Holy Spirit will be your BFF. He'll be your best friend forever. Come on. He'll go with you to the very end of the world. I wish somebody today would receive the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said we're a tongue-talking church. We're a Pentecostal church. We are a church that believes and relies on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, Brother Bobby, he remains. He won't abandon you. He won't forsaken you. He won't walk out on you. But he'll be a companion. He'll be a friend. He'll be one that'll go with you to the very end. I said, what does an open heaven provide? It provides the overflow. It provides the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, pastor, is that really necessary? 
Do we really have to have all of that? Do we really have to act like that? Do I really have to speak in tongues? Go ahead and deny it for yourself. But you don't come too late to tell me it ain't for today. And your problem, you've been listening to too many other skeptics and critics that'll tell you it died out with the last apostle. Show me in the Bible. My Bible says that this promise, what promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit and his fire is for this generation. It's for every generation until the coming of the Lord. I said the open heaven provides to us the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Do you realize the apostle Paul said, I wish that all of you would speak in tongues. That's what he said. Can I tell you this gift is for everybody? I don't care who you are. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what age you are, what season of life you're in, what your background is. I'm telling you the gift of the Holy Ghost is for everybody. And if you want this gift, this promise, this baptism, why don't you get up under the open heaven? Because God is pouring out in this hour the Holy Spirit of God in a way like never before. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. I said that is what is provided to you and I through an open heaven. It is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I remember growing up in the church. I'm about to move on. I'm talking about it wasn't nothing to see five and six-year-olds speaking in tongues. I hear some of you religious folks saying, well, you know, that's not everything. No, it's not everything. But can I tell you, it's the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I know there's a counterfeit. I know there's a fake. Come on. Everything that's genuine in the kingdom, the devil will create a counterfeit. He'll create a fake. But, that, but don't you dare throw out the baby with the bathwater. Because there's a genuine infilling and a baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's why the Apostle Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something, ladies. When you get a hold of the Holy Ghost, you don't need alcohol. When you get a hold of the Holy Ghost, you don't need drugs. Let me go ahead and take it a step farther. When you get a hold of the real Holy Ghost, you're not going to go whoring around. Looking for dead, dry relationships to satisfy your flesh because the Holy Ghost will fill every void in your life. That's the problem with some of you today. Well, I need somebody. I need this relationship. I need this man. I need this woman. No, you don't. You need the Holy Ghost. Let me move on. Let me move on. What is available to us through an open heaven? Not only the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but the validation of the Father. Did you hear what I said? I said the validation of the Father. Let's go back to our text in Matthew 3, and verse 17. Jesus was baptized. The heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit descended. And what else happened? In verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven. This was the voice of the Father. This was the voice of Yahweh himself. 
saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being on the banks of the river that day? Jesus being dunked on the water. All of a sudden, the heavens are ripped open. The, the Holy Spirit, as of a dove, descends. And then the voice of the Father himself speaks and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I said, what is available to us through an open heaven? The validation of the Father. You see, the truth is, I don't care how big and bad you are. I don't care how masculine you think you are, how macho you think you are. Let me tell you something. Everyone is looking for some degree of affirmation. Did you hear what I said? I said everyone is looking for some degree of affirmation, some degree of validation, some degree of approval, some degree of acceptance. Everyone, I don't care who you are, everyone likes a pat on the back from now from time to time, right? Everyone likes to be told that you are valuable, that you're an asset, that we couldn't do what we do without you, right? And can I tell you that when you live under this open heaven, you will receive the validation of the very one who created you. You see, because people do not realize their true identity. And because people do not realize that their value is in their creator, who is God himself, they look for these things in all of the wrong places. Did you hear what I said? I said they look for acceptance. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to feel like they're a part of the party. They're a part of the family. They're a part of the community, right? Nobody wants to be the Lone Ranger. Nobody wants to be rejected. But the sad indictment is there are so many in the church world that have been rejected. There are so many in the church world that have been denied. There are so many in the church world because of the mistakes of their past. They've been told you can't do this and you can't do that. Maybe you had a previous marriage where you need to sit down because you can't be used by God anymore. Maybe you had sex outside of marriage. Sit down, you can't be used by God anymore. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, this happened or that happened or whatever it is, and the church has rejected you. They have kicked you out. They have ostracized you. They have forbidden you to come back into fellowship with them. Let me tell you something. Some of you are right there in your life right now. And you're hurt at the church, you're mad at the church, you're full of bitterness, you're full of strife, you're full of anger. And you'll say, I'll never walk the church anymore. I'll never go to church anymore because you've been hurt by the church. Let me tell you something today. Can I help somebody? It wasn't God that hurt you, baby. It was God's people that hurt you. It was humanity that hurt you. And although the church doesn't recognize you, although the church has walked out on you, although the church has rejected you, I'm telling you, if you get under this open heaven, you receive the validation of the one who created you. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You say, Pastor, are you condoning every lifestyle? 
every wrong decision, every sin. No, I'm not. But can I tell you what? There's still life after your failure. There's still life after your addiction. There's still life after your gross sin. I said when you live under an open heaven, you will receive the validation, the acceptance, the love of your heavenly father. You will realize like never before that your value is not in another person, but your value is in the one who created you. So you let them do what they want to do. You let them say what they want to say. Your value is not tied to that person anyways. It's tied to the one who spoke you into existence. Number three, what is provided through an open heaven, not only the validation of the Father, but provision and blessing. Provision and blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says it like this, verse 12. It says, the Lord will open up to you his good treasure. Somebody say his good treasure. He will open up to you the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. When you live under an open heaven, you receive provision and you receive blessings. You can either believe that or you can doubt that. But I choose to believe that. That as long as I stay in alignment with the open heaven that is above me. That God bled and died that I could live under. That every need that I have shall be provided by the resources of heaven. Everything that I stand in need of it shall be provided by the hands of God himself. Pastor read this verse a moment ago in Malachi chapter 3. I'm talking about an open heaven in verse 10. And it says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You see, your open heaven is available for those who walk in obedience. To those who give of themselves. To those who give of their time. To those who give of their token. To those who give of their treasure. The heavens will be opened up over your life. And provision and blessing will be yours. You say, Pastor, are you one of those prosperity preachers? I don't identify myself with that. Because you know what? When you really fall in love with Jesus, you realize it's not about materialistic things. You realize that there's no price you can put on being in his presence and being in his glory. You give me his presence. You give me his glory. That's all I need. But I also come to tell you that my God delights in the prosperity of his people. You see, we're not living according to Times Square. We're not living according to the gurus and the markets of our society. But we're living according to the riches of heaven itself. I said provision and blessing is provided to you through an open heaven. Number four, prophetic revelation of God and of his throne is provided to you 
through an open heaven. What do I mean? Look with me in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1, and it says this, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, that the heavens were open. And what happened to the prophet Ezekiel? The heavens were open, and I saw visions of God and his throne. You see, when you live under this open heaven, you will receive what I've been preaching on for two weeks, a fresh perspective. You will receive heaven's perspective, and you will know God for who he really is, and with that, you'll have an understanding that our God has not been dethroned, but our God still rules, and he reigns over the affairs of man, that our God is the one that puts people in office. He's the one that takes people out of office. That's why my hope is not not in a political party. That's why my hope is not in Washington, D.C. My hope is in the kingdom of God itself. When you live under this open heaven, you receive revelation of who God is. You receive revelation of his throne. And you will realize that he still holds all power and he still holds all authority. Number five. What is provided through an open heaven? Listen to this. Angelic activity in response to God's command that will bring to you supernatural answers to prayer. Did you hear what I said? Under an open heaven, you have at your access the very armies of heaven itself. You have at your access angelic armies, angelic beings. Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12 says it like this. For he shall give his angels charge over you. What does that mean? He's given you the gift of an angelic army that is with you, that is walking with you, that is surrounding you, that is putting charge over you to keep you in all your ways. I said to keep you in all your ways. Can I tell you, Sister Melissa, what I found to be true with serving God for 20-some-odd years is that our God is a keeping God. I said he's a keeping God. He's not a, let me tell you, he's not one that gives and takes back. But he's a keeper. And we've been in the, put in the right hand of the Father, and the Bible says there's no man, there's no demon in hell that can pluck you out of his hand. He said, I'll put angels over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's what's provided through an open heaven. It's the armies of heaven itself, angelic activity, bringing supernatural answers to your prayers. Oh, hallelujah. And then last but not least, as the praise team is coming, what is provided to you through an open heaven? It's a returning to quote-unquote normal Christianity. Did you hear what I said? What is provided to us through an open heaven? It's a returning to quote-unquote normal Christianity. What do I mean when I say that, normal Christianity? What is the norm for most of our modern day churches today. What is the norm? Let me tell you what the norm is. 
four songs, an offering, and a three-point sermon, a motivational speech that'll get you pumped up. Come on. That'll let you know that, you know, you're the apple of God's eye and you know God's for you, rah, rah, rah. But there's no change. There's no deliverance. There's no Holy Ghost anointing that's destroying yokes that's on your life, that's on my life. So under an open heaven, it motivates us to return to quote-unquote normal Christianity. Can I tell you, normal Christianity is not a four-song set on Sunday mornings, an offering and a three-point flowery sermon. That's not normal Christianity. That's not a true depiction of the original New Testament church. But under an open heaven... We return back to being the Acts 2 church. I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. Can I tell you what? Because I know, I know with being a non-denominational church, as I said a moment ago, we get people from all, all walks of life, from all denominational backgrounds and preferences. And that's all right. I think that's what makes us beautiful. That's what makes us unique. That's one of the things that makes us diverse. But let me tell you something, and I hope some of my Baptist friends are listening. I hope some of my Presbyterian friends and my Methodist friends are listening. Let me tell you something. I don't care what's above your church, what your name, your logo, your denominational affiliation is. Let me go ahead and help somebody. All of our roots go back to an upper room in the city of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. Do you realize 2,000 years ago there wasn't a Baptist church, there wasn't a Methodist church, there wasn't a church of God, there wasn't an assemblies of God, there wasn't a Pentecostal holiness church. It was the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what? When we live under an open heaven, it'll motivate us, it'll encourage us to going back to being what the church is supposed to be, to going back to being an Acts chapter 2 church. Where radical salvations and deliverances are the norm. Did you hear what I said? Radical salvations and deliverances are the norm. I'm talking about people that are screwed up. People that are messed up. That's going to come through our doors. They already coming in. People like the woman of Samaria. Who Jesus met at the well. She done had five different husbands. She wouldn't be elected to office in most of our churches. But Jesus saw fit to go to her. He saw fit to reveal for the first time ever who he was to the woman of Samaria. I said when we return back to the original church, when we turn back to, to the normal Christianity, we'll see radical salvations and deliverances. You're talking about demons being cast out. You say, that's scary. I don't want no part in that. Let me tell you, we're living in a, in a spiritual world 
Just as your nose that is on your face is real, let me tell you, there's a devil that's real, and there's a devil that's on the loose, and this thing where we manby pamby and we want to counsel everybody, and we want to we want to provide therapy to everybody. Let me tell you, some of these things they don't need therapy, they don't need counsel. They got a demon, a stronghold of spiritual darkness within them, and it needs to be cast out in the name of Jesus. What is normal Christianity? Water baptisms and church growth are the norm. Did you hear what I said? I said water baptisms and church growth are the norm. I believe we're about to get to a place, Sister Barbara, it's not going to be one seven quarter we bring out this baptismal tank. I believe we're going to have to just keep it out here all the time because so many people are going to be born again and birthed into the kingdom of God that every week we're pulling people under the water for Jesus. And the church is growing. This mindset where it's me and my four and no more. And God's pleased with that. Let me tell you, that's a lie from hell. If God is in the midst of her people, that church will explode and it will grow. What is normal Christianity? Packed prayer rooms and altars are the norm. Wendy, that prayer room is about to be filled up. Vonda, we might have to get you another prayer room. You prayer warriors and intercessors, I believe God's about to fill up your space. He's about to burden people with a spirit of prayer. These altars are going to remain filled. That's normal Christianity. What is normal Christianity under this open heaven? Holy Ghost baptisms and speaking in tongues are the norm. Spontaneous worship and jubilant praise is the norm. You say, I'm not going to worship like Melissa Hunter. That's all right. I'm not going to worship like Barbara Terry. That's all right. I'm not going to be so loud like Pastor Caleb. That's all right. But let me tell you, if you love Jesus like I love him, and if you remember where he brought you from, you ain't going to sit there like the chosen frozen either. Why don't you notify your face that you're in love with Jesus? And that he's worthy of all of your worship, all of your praise. I said, that's going to become the norm. And listen to this. Stand to your feet all over this place. Miracles, signs, and wonders are becoming the norm. How long has it been since you saw somebody get up out of a wheelchair? How long has it been since you heard a report, I'm healed of cancer? How long has it been since you've seen blinded eyes open and deaf ears open? The dumb to speak again. How long? Let me tell you, under this open heaven, those things are going to be the norm. It's not going to be abnormal any longer. There's not going to be a service that we don't have that somebody's going to say, Pastor, I got a testimony. God's done broke me from death to life. God's done healed my body. God's done restored my marriage. God's done brought my prodigal sons and daughters home. Why? Because of an open heaven. We're getting back to normal Christianity. These things are not abnormal. They're not out of the box. These things ought to be normal. How many of you want to live under this open heaven? How many of you want to walk under this open heaven that Jesus bled and died for? I'm telling you, it's your inheritance. 
You're not fighting for it. You're not contending for it. Jesus gave his life. He tore the veil from top to bottom. Meaning that man did not do it. But God himself did it. To give to you and I access to an open heaven.